I actually will never forget the first time I went to northern Minnesota. Um, as Kyla had talked about it, I played some Uno with Grandma Margaret, and I did get dirted on. I mean, there was draw twos and draw fours flying all over the place, as I remember, and most of them were coming at me, and she was just kind of, you know, breaking me into the family, and that's kind of how it happened. Uh, but another thing that we did up in northern Minnesota where they lived was we visited Lake Itasca. Anybody ever heard of or been to Lake Itasca? All right, maybe some folks have heard of it, been there. Um, we, we actually went to visit this, uh, this, what Kyla and her family called a resort that uh, her parents owned and operated when she was a, a small child. Um, it, let's be honest, it was a campground and... Uh, there was a general store. There was a short order. Her mom was the short order cook. There's great stories from this resort. But um, we went to visit that. And then we went into uh, the state park there to visit Lake Itasca. Because not only is you know, this kind of a, a regional landmark, but Lake Itasca is the headwaters of the Mississippi River. If you haven't heard of the Mississippi River, then we need to you know, go back a few more steps, but I think most of us have, at least you can spell it, and uh, Lake Itasca is the headwaters. Now, now, there are actually a few other little streams and another lake, actually, that feeds into Lake Itasca, but early explorers decided that those other bodies weren't big enough, so they decided, even as small as it is, less than two miles around area, Lake Itasca was the, uh, the, the headwaters. I think I have a picture. You can put that up there. This is just kind of uh, one of the shots of out onto Lake Itasca. And, and, and if you go to the next one there, Fatima, you can begin to see this is the, the rapids uh, where uh, the water flows out of the lake and into what will become the, the Mississippi River. And the point I want to make here is, is this picture right here. This is at the very beginning here at the, at the source, at the headwaters of, of the Mississippi. It's like three, two to three feet deep, and it's maybe 10 to 15 feet wide. And, and it will travel over 2,500 miles, and it will have other tributaries and streams and rivers flow into it and it will actually become a lake at one point and then it will come back down and it will be over a mile wide at certain places and over 200 feet deep and it will look if you go to the next one ultimately it will look like this and this is an amazing uh, scene an amazing idea an amazing concept that this is happening and it's okay Phones ring, and it's just hard to avoid them in our church, but uh, it's all right. Um, guys, this is what we've been talking about, because not only is this true in, in a, a river, but it's true in our lives, and it's true in, in the spiritual life in particular. Um, we've been talking about these last several weeks, we've been talking about this series from First and Second Timothy that we're just calling Foundations and built to last. We're, we're, we're thinking about what it means to live a life that is built to last, and, and, and especially thinking about the, the foundational uh, aspects of that life that, that we can build our lives on in order to live this kind of life of faith. What we're, what we're, what we're saying and what we're remembering is this idea that people, people who are strong in their faith, 
people who endure opposition, people who grow in holiness, people who are sharing their faith. Those people don't just sort of appear out of thin air. People like that don't just kind of grow on trees. They don't just, so, you know, we don't, people don't wake up one day and they're that kind of person. These kinds of people are those who have, who have built a life by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit on certain practices and beliefs and experiences that have brought them to this way of, of life, to this place of living. And the question for us, as we've been thinking about this, is what are the spiritual sources that are feeding into our lives? If you imagine your life as this river, what are the sources that are feeding it, the, the very headwaters and the, and the tributaries that are feeding this life as we, as we travel through the days that God has for us? And in the passage that we want to look at today, Paul writes of a couple more very significant sources that we want to pay attention to. So turn your Bibles, if you have them with me, to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you don't have one, there's a Bible maybe somewhere near you, in front of you, uh, or you can follow along on the screen. But let's stand up as I read this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to begin at verse 14 and read on down through chapter 4 on to verse 5. And at the end, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. And you can say, if you believe it, you can say, thanks be to God. Again, it's Paul writing to his young apprentice, Timothy. But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right God uses it to prepare and Equip his people to do every good work. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead when he, he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct and rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They'll reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Well, I had been asked to give a devotional at a meeting of, uh, of about 75 leaders from our denomination. Now, this is a meeting that 
It's held at Estes Park, Colorado. I've been going to this meeting for a number of years, and it, it, at this meeting are denominational executives. That's seriously what they call themselves. Um, uh, uh, they're district superintendents. They're college faculty. They're other pastors like me. And we're there really gathered for one main reason, and that's to, to, to think and to plan and to discuss how we can better prepare and equip pastors to carry out the, the role that they have in the world today. And I had been asked to give a devotional, the morning devotional to this group of people. And, and i got to be honest, I was, I was pretty nervous about it. I mean, this, this is like some important folks and I was like setting the stage or setting the tone for what was going to be an important day of discussion. And I was like, man, I got, I got to come up with some good stuff. Well, thankfully, the Bible was good and, and it all came together. I didn't actually have to even come up with it. It was right there. But what made the, 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 the devotional even a little bit more challenging and nerve-wracking for me was that within this congregation within this audience were three very important people to my own personal spiritual journey. One was the pastor of the church in Kansas City where Kyle and I had a 